What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome on in. Like I mentioned, you can catch us every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday right here on the Full Go Podcast. Unless we need an emergency pod or something like that to be dropped. I almost dropped one uh, last night, but I knew that, you know, hilarity would ensue because Bears-Lions was happening on Sunday afternoon here in the great city of Chicago. I should say in the great city of Detroit, but I'd be lying in terms of that being a great city. Shout out to all my Detroit people. Don't get mad at me. Uh, I didn't make it, you know, I didn't force the jobs away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I didn't come in and regentrify the area. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Shout out to all my Detroit people. Though. I'm just messing with you. Shout out to Vinny Goodwill, all my people out there. You know, I love Detroit. I love Detroit. I just like Chicago a whole lot better. And I'm saying this from a place of pain. 
right? And, and if you listen to the pod, you know that I get all up in arms about Chicago Bears football. I start throwing things. I start screaming at people. I start speaking incoherently. And that's just on a regular Wednesday and Thursday. You know, Not to mention a Sunday afternoon where I was sick this entire weekend, y'all. I was like, you know what? Save up your strength, Jay, because Bears Lions is coming to save you. Huh? I just knew that Justin Fields and the boys are coming to make sure that I would get myself out of the infirmary and back on the track to health. I will say this now because I don't want to raise my voice. You can hear it's a little strained. I will say this now. Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze need to be punted into the sun. Not fired. Okay. Not asked to leave the building. <laughs> okay. Not their key cards revoked. Huh? <laughs> not 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 planning to, to to rent again instead of buying punted into the sun ladies and gentlemen i want to let you know that in the history of nfl football there is only one time where a team has lost after having a 40 minute time of possession edge in the game 40 plus minutes and three plus turnovers in the turnover margin 40 other times. The other team has won the one time in NFL history that the team has lost. Yeah, you guessed it today, huh? Sunday, the beautiful day of our Lord. <laughs> what is it? Was it November? What? I don't even know the damn date. Okay. November 19th, 2023. Mark it down in your record books. Ladies and gentlemen, this was the day that the improbable was made probable by the, the 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 sterling shining figures of coaching that we know as Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze. And boy, was I on Luke Getze's train at the start of this game, huh? That first 15 script always looks lovely. It looks amazing. Uh, after three or four weeks of Tyson Bajant mania and all the things that Justin was going to learn from him, Luke Getze said, I might change the launch angle. I might design some more exact, some, some more actual design run plays for the quarterback. Huh? I, I might get him in that RPO game. I might make the Lions play vertically as well as horizontally. I might do those things. And that first drive was perfect. Couldn't ask for anything more. Then the Bears defense comes out there, forces a turnover. Next thing you know, we're cooking with gas. You're moving down the field. And then, ladies and gentlemen, it happened. You know what it is? The test. The test that every NFL coach and any every NFL play caller probably has to go to. The test that asks you what you got now. After the first 15, what do you have in store? There's a whole bunch of things that happened to that Bears offense. But I want to I get to the fact that Matt Eberflus chose on two separate fourth downs. Instead of you know going for it and actually evaluating what you got in your crew, he actually chose to choose, he chose to kick field goals. He chose to kick field goals near the 20-yard line two different times down the stretch. With Justin Fields doing everything he wanted in the RPO game, I'm going to tell y'all right now, Justin Fields was the best player on the football field at Ford Field. And that's a field that had Panay Sewell, a field that had Aiden Hutchinson, that, that, that nickelback that they got had a couple of holding calls, Brian Branch, but he's going to be a good one. All right? Uh, 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 Lou McNeil, that dude, the, the dude that we talked to our guy Eric Woodyard about on this very podcast, made a couple of plays. Okay. Amon St. Brown, St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, hey, baller, 
Bonafide baller. David Montgomery had to get back game. The best player on the field in the Bears-Lions game was Justin Fields. And we won't even get to the Tyson Bajan people who have gone back into their hole and, and, and will wait to come out during baseball season once again. Justin Fields did everything you could have imagined a, a, a running quarterback coming off of an injury would be asked to do. He executed the game plan to a T. He was making angled throws where he was creating the angle. He kept his head up, looking downfield, and there were a few moments in this game. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, the next ball that Tyler Scott catches of consequence will be the first one. Okay? And it just speaks to the lack of talent that this Bears team had before this year started, when the expectations started to grow. Because before, we'd be talking about Valus Jones dropping that ball or not tracking that ball correctly. Or another special teamer who was playing in that wide receiver room who was getting actual snaps at the position that was detrimental. Yeah, I should say detrimental. <laughs> I was going to actually say, <laughs> actually say pivotal, but actually detrimental to evaluating your quarterback. The other people who have been playing wide receiver got replaced by a rookie out of Cincinnati who I had high hopes for, but have still yet to make a deciding game changing impactful play he had his chance you know when he got his chance he got his chance on the bears last drive where they're they're supposed to be running time off the clock they got 15 seconds off the clock you know how they got 15 seconds off the clock because against two nine-man boxes they ran into the middle of the line they ran into the middle of the line. You know how the Detroit Lions schemed that thing up? They put five defensive linemen out there on an RPO scheme and said, hey, I dare you, Justin Fields, to keep this football. Go ahead and run into the middle of the line with nine men in the box. That happened twice in a row with Khalil Herbert. Roshan Johnson running angrier than anybody on the field, not named David Montgomery down the stretch because of Deontay Foreman's injury. Khalil Herbert did not have a Khalil Herbert type of game, and, and it's about time for one of those. Since he's come back off the injury list, eh, he's looked like a guy who's been running hurt, to be honest with you. Roshan Johnson's got the juice, but may not have all the blocking schemes down pat, may not be the guy that you want to protect your quarterback on third downs. I get it, but two times into the middle of the line, first and second down, Get run off. You call timeouts. And then you have yourself an, an instance. And I can't even blame the coaching on this one, y'all. You have yourself an instance where you schemed up everything that you wanted on a play. It's third and five. <laughs> you scheme up everything that you want on a play because you got two crossing routes. The safety comes down. Justin Fields makes the right read. He makes the intelligent read. He's got a one-on-one -on -one with no safety behind Tyler Scott is running down the field. And what does Tyler Scott do in the moment of truth? He looks up for the ball, starts to track it, and loses his steps, loses a second of speed, a half step of speed, lets that ball glance off his fingertips. Next thing you know, you're kicking the ball back to the Detroit Lions, and Jared Goff turned into Joe freaking Montana down the stretch. The Bears defense, the Bears defense, yeah, I just mentioned third down. The Bears defense allowed the first six third downs by the Detroit Lions to be converted. You can't win football games that way. And if it weren't for a tip ball that landed in the arms of Tremaine Edmonds, right, and Sam Laporta getting picked off on one, one pass play where Tyreek Stevenson, who, by the way, had a hell of a football game with a forced fumble, right, and a pick, 
Right? I mean, hey, shout out to Richard Hightower. Hey, we y'all know how we do on this pod. Every week we check in with the special teams coach. Everybody else fucking up. Y'all can't. All right? So shout out to the special teams. You kicked all the goddamn field goals in the world. Right? Everybody in the special teams room should be happy. 12 points off field goals. That is not a win, y'all. I'm sorry. Anytime your kicker got 12 points, you did not do well on offense. All that shit between the 20s is cardio. You got to push the ball into the end zone, period, period. 12 points, uh, you get a forced fumble on special teams. Richard Hightower on the plane like, hey, they ain't talking about me this time. I know that for sure. But mind you, six for six, that's what the Detroit Lions were on their first six third downs. I don't want to hear nothing about this Bears defense because when it ain't Brian Hoyer, when it ain't the ghost of Sam Howell, when it ain't one, when it ain't me playing quarterback for one of them, Bryce Young who out here with the training wheels on still, when it ain't one of them, when it's one of them, one of them, them, one of him, you saw what happened. Two 75-yard drives down the stretch. They scored 17 points in the final three and a half minutes of a football game, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, this coaching staff rocks find them all because there's a lot of kicking that needs to be done. Matt Eberflus, punt time. Reggie Roby, hang time in the sky. Luke Getze, I'm good, fam. You I, Listen, Caleb Williams may have have cried and not talked his way out of the hearts and minds of Bears fans. Now people are retreating back to Justin Fields. You know what it is. We can't see this many glimpses of a player played this well and think to ourselves, hmm, I wonder what's holding him back. The thing that he told y'all was holding him back is holding him back. It's as simple as that, man. And I, I'm, I'm, you might ask, why are you smiling about this? I'm tired of yelling and I'm tired of being upset about the Bears. It's right there in front of you. That is one of the best teams in the damn NFC. In the NFL, that's a top five team in the NFL. You're not supposed to be able to hang with them. I didn't think they would. And guess why they could? And guess why they did? Because of number one. That's why they did. Meanwhile, you got Eddie Jackson back there blowing cover twos. Right. And and congrats to the cover, too, by the way. I mean, you know, I won't be mad at you if that happens to you, but you're blowing the coverage and, 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 and Jalen Johnson is looking at you like, come on, man. And oh, by the way, I'm glad I mentioned Jalen Johnson's name player. Hey, hey. All right. Nobody's rooting for you to get more money than me. Nobody in the city of Chicago. Not your girl, not your family, not your people, not your homies that's leeching off of you. Not the bad advice you may be getting. Nobody in the city is hoping you get more money than me. But big time corners make those plays, dog. Jalen Johnson not only had one, because I know y'all remember the one that he dropped that could have been a that should have been a pick six to make the game 14 to nothing. Go back to that fourth quarter with 14 minutes left when Jalen dropped another interception that could have been a pick six as well. That Sam Laporta dropped. Like these are the things. Everybody loves to talk about tank wins and ooh, draft two draft picks in the top four. Well, guess what? You got a bunch of young dudes still learning how to lose. Matt Eberflus has been here for a couple of years and has yet to win a divisional game. So when I hear Ryan Poles talk about taking the North back and taking the North and never giving it back, guess what you got to do first? Take a victory from one of the teams that you play in the NFC North. They have lost 12 straight divisional games, ladies and gentlemen. 12. 
I don't want to hear it anymore. I want to hear about who's a nice guy and what culture setters and, and, and you gotta, you gotta be able to, you know, give them more time to evaluate what kind of play call it. Nonsense. Nonsense. You got rookies and young players out there playing on sheer talent with no guidance, no development and zero coaching prowess. 31 other coaches would have found a way to bring home a 17-point lead. Not the Bears, though. Not the Bears. And now we move on. Now we move on to whoever's next. In the next six games, there will be a referendum on Justin Fields and his coaching staff and our nerves as Chicago Bears fans. But, hey, hey, at least we got the Bulls, right? Oh, Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's our time. <laughs> Y'all going to check in with New York. Y'all going to check in with Boston. Y'all going to check in with Philly. Hopefully they provide you a lot more fun and, and good vibes. I know New York ain't. That Zach Wilson thing is getting uglier and uglier by the snap. So stay tuned with us right here every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday. This is the full go wherever you get your pods. We appreciate you. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This year, FanDuel's got something you'll really be thankful for because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. With so many games going on, Thanksgiving is the perfect time to join. And in true Thanksgiving tradition... The Lions are playing. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's not like years previous where you're like, oh, man, why are the Lions playing again? No, the Lions are a good team. And the Packers have been playing some spirited football. So Packers-Lions minus 7.5 is what the casual betting brothers are going with. Minus 7.5 going the Detroit Lions way. We like the over in this game as well. The Lions defense has been a little shaky over the last couple of weeks. And that Packers offense is... uh, you know, opportunistic at best. So over 45 and a half is the way we're going with this one. And I'm in Ross St. Brown. I don't think that Packers secondary is going to be able to shut that young man down. So we are going over the receiving yards of 50 and a half for I'm in Ross St. Brown. Once again, our three leg same game parlay is the seven and a half for the Lions, the over 45 and a half and the over receiving yards for I'm in Ross St. Brown. So visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O and fill up your plate with parlays and player props all weekend long. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. And this this Jordan Poole thing in Washington is getting nasty. And now all of a sudden he's uh, on the trade block. I, I looked at a picture of Jordan Poole, man, and I showed my lady. And I just showed the transformation over the last, I don't know, two and a half years or so. Man, that man is going through it. He looks like he is willing to, like, he, I mean, a millionaire, handsome dude, too. Like, you know, like he's, he's an athlete, right? Best shape of his life, you know, 20-something years old. 
That man looked like he'll fix your carburetor for a six pack of Heineken right now. <laughs> you look like you look like you know. Hey, I just bring it around back real quick. I, you know, I used to mess with your mama, right? I got you. I got you. Come back around. You know, I, I think it sounded like your fuel pump messing up. You know, like how can you hear that? The car's not even on, sir. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Troy Poole looked like he walking around selling, you know, steaks and, 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 and lobsters out the back of his truck. He looked crazy. Have you seen Jordan lately? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he was next up. He was next up, you know, and then, then Draymond had to put an end to all that. You know, hey, 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 and shout out to all my, you know, all my folks out there who vibe a little bit, but you know, we all know. Like after a couple of days, like, all right, let me, let me, let me take a race into this real quick. <laughs> let me get myself together before you know what I mean. Before, before I get pulled over with none on me, and they just look at you like, ah, oh, you, you've been on that shit. Come on, <laughs> this is this is retroactive for all them times you got the fuck away. That's simply it. <laughs> Jordan. Be careful out there in DC, man. You know what I mean. Find some love. I'm sure you can. It's Chocolate City. Oh man. I had to I had to say something, do something to, to make myself laugh, bro. Cause this shit, that that Bears game, dog. Oh my God. You know T DJ Moore touched the ball for the final time in that football game with 45 seconds left in the third quarter. Like, there's just so many things. So many things. Right. And and you want to blame it all on coaching. That's why I made sure in the first segment to to put the blame where it should be. You can't lose that game. And shout out to my man Adam Hogue. He does the Hogan Johns podcast. I saw him tweeting. He covers the Bears. Uh shout out to CHGO Sports. Good people. He covers the Bears, been covering the Bears for a minute now. And he he's tweet. I, I don't want to. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's, you know, don't tell me anything about, you know, learning how to win again. Like these dudes are learning how to lose and that shit is hard to get out your system. I mean, there's so many losses and yes, yes. I'm not brushing over the fact that, that Darnell Wright gets beat by Aiden Hutchinson. And that is pretty much the game ceiling play, the strip sack of Justin Fields. Does Justin need to feel that? Yes. Yes. He needs to feel that. But I'm going to tell y'all right now, Darnell Wright, and the only time we talk about tackles is when they're making egregious errors or they get beat, right? Darnell Wright had one holding call against Aiden Hutchinson and then that play. Other than that, Darnell Wright, I thought, held his own, man. Uh, no pun intended. I thought he did well. There was a moment there where Larry Bourne came in for Braxton Jones at the left tackle, and Braxton was none too pleased about that. Like, he was big pissed, like throwing his helmet and couldn't be consoled on the sideline. So, I mean, th- those dudes are going out there trying. They're doing the, they're doing the, the best they possibly can, but it ain't good enough. It ain't good enough, man. And, and, and I just, I have come to a point now, 300 episodes into this damn podcast. Hey, man, it, you can be the best guy in the world. If it ain't good enough, it ain't good enough. And it's as simple as that. And y'all going to hear that in this bull segment coming up not too long from now. But yeah, DJ Moore getting the ball for the final time with a minute left in the third quarter. Unacceptable. Unfucking acceptable. You ain't got enough playmakers as it is out there. Deontay Foreman, by the way, if he didn't get hurt, if he didn't have an ankle injury, that should be his football going forward. Him and Roshan Johnson are the ones who are running with juice. No no pun intended, right, because I know Khalil Herbert's nickname is Juice, but he ain't got it right now. 
He ain't got it. He's coming off the injury. He's not looking like himself. Roshan Johnson's bowling over people in the secondary of the Detroit Lions. Like, he's running with, with a, a, you know, an aggressive nature that you need. The, the two plays at the end before the, the pass over the outstretched arms of Tyler Scott, just come on, man. Come on. I know they run run pass options. I know that, that Justin Fields has the option to, to keep the ball. But if I'm the Lions, it's a simple keep away play. Pretty much. I'm designing it to keep away from the dude who has killed us all game long. He ran for another 100 yards. And it's the thing, too. The last time we saw him, Daniil Hunter put him down. By the way, Daniil Hunter is playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. I don't know if y'all been watching. The man in Minnesota has been going crazy. He only got, what, 12 sacks on a year already, one behind the league leader in Miles Garrett. That's the person who hurt Justin Fields. And in that Minnesota game, Justin struggled. But the two games before that, we acted like they don't exist. Like the eight touchdowns and one interception just didn't exist. Like it didn't happen. The man was one of the hotter passers from weeks three to through what, six or something like that? And then he got hurt. Then he gets back on the field. You run around, you you change the launch angle. The first 15 plays look beautiful, right? You got you got drives that are sustained and also leading into other things. This, you've been throwing bubble screens all year long. <laughs> you want a short play? You want a short, secure, conservative-like play that is like a run, but putting it into your playmaker's hands? Hey, first and second down, throw a bubble screen. Get yourself four or five yards. Get up the field. Let DJ Moore make a play. Make somebody miss. You get a first down. That's game ball. Jalen Johnson intercepts that pass in the fourth quarter. That makes it 30 to 14. I know it's 16 points, but I'm sorry. On your fourth pick, if you're Jared Goff, I'm looking at Dan Campbell like, yo, we're going to have to figure something else out besides this man throwing the football. I know we down two touchdowns. You change the perception and the reality of the game by making plays. Okay, not tackling Jameer Gibbs and letting him get out of bounds. These are game-changing plays. Eddie Jackson not being deeper than the deepest in a cover two, too high safety look. The corner route is the only one that can't beat you. You've got Jalen Johnson hinging and setting at his landmark, staying where you're supposed to. He's thinking he's got help up top. Eddie Jackson is getting his eyes fooled. Next thing you know, he's one step slow. Jared Goff's got one of the better accurate deep balls. I know people talk crazy about his arm, but his accuracy with the deep ball, look at the 20-plus yard completions that he's had over the last two or three years. He's at the top of the league, including Patrick Mahomes. Like, do you do you do your knowledge? And then this is the other thing. This is the reason why I brought up the quarterbacks, because the quarterbacks that we've seen this defense perform against over the last three weeks, fine. They did their jobs. I was looking forward to a real test, a real offense going up against this defense and seeing what you got. In the last two drives of the game, both had 75-yard drives, one six plays, one 11 plays. Right? Big plays in one, gash, 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 all the way down the field in another. So with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds and all these new players and all the, you gotta consistently perform. And if Matt Eberflus is a defensive coach, is gonna look his defense in the eye with, with, with four minutes left and say, hey man, we got a 17-point lead. They scored 17 on I'm sorry, we got a, a, a 12-point lead. They scored 17 unanswered. You can't lose that football game. And I'm not overstating it. It's not hyperbole. Those two people, Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus, should not be a part of this organization going forward. Period. Period. 
Like, I, I don't know how many different ways to put it. I don't speak that many different languages. What you are seeing is egregiously bad coaching. What, what situation does Matt Eberflus handle well? Let me know as a Bears fan. Like, I could be wrong, but let me know. I'm willing to listen. Montez Sweat goes out there, second half. You know, first half, pretty quiet. Second half, made some plays, got a sack, got a couple of uh, pressures. Javon Dexter Sr. makes the play, tips the ball that lands in Tremaine Edmonds' hands. TJ Edwards makes a great play, cheats on his zone read. Next thing you know, <clears throat> your man Jared Goff thinks that the progression is, is doing what it's supposed to do, not thinking that that weak side linebacker was going to stay where he was. He jumped on the ball. TJ Edwards made a great play. But when it's time, when you're not tricking anybody, when you're not tipping footballs, when it's not uh, uh, the, the offense making errors, they're shooting themselves in the foot, when it's stand down, you know what I mean? Mono e mono in a phone booth. You can't score, and if you don't score, we win the football game. The defensive coach and the defensive side of the football let this team down. Once again, how many 25-plus point games have there been in the Matt Eberflus era? For a defensive head coach. And I want to hear shit about last year and how uh, the lack of talent they had. All those losses count. They're all of them count. Every last one of them count. Because this year was supposed to be the payoff. You're supposed to put a few new faces. Like, everybody in the main places that they are was, was new. Tyreek Stevenson, first year with the Bears. TJ Edwards, first year with the Bears. Right? Tremaine Edmonds, first year with the Bears. Javon Dexter Sr., first year with the Bears. And the dudes who didn't make plays, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson. I mean, come on. We keep talking about what this team is and what it isn't. And in the end, they are talented enough that the expectations that some had weren't overshooting it. I thought this team would be a six or seven win team this year. I thought the NFC North was trash. Come to find out, I was right. Minnesota no damn good, even though Josh Dobbs running around here making everybody's tears, you know, eyes well up with tears every time they see him and hear his story. Had his beautiful family on, the, on, the, on every camera shot possible tonight. So I, I already knew what, what time it was on Sunday Night Football. I already knew what they were selling me. It was like, oh, shit, we got Minnesota versus Denver. Like, well, this is going to be the Josh Dobbs Bowl. Y'all about to learn everything y'all possibly can about this, man. They love a backup quarterback on Sunday Night Football. This division is trash. Division is no damn good. Some might say because the Bears are a part of it, but the division, you know, <laughs> it's the Lions and everybody else. And in a moment when you had a chance, because you have to see this team again, I, you know, I don't remember a time where on the schedule you've played the Lions this late for the first time in the season, but you got to see this team again. This is the barometer in the division. When you talk that take the division and never give it back shit on your, on your introductory press conference, these are those games. And since that press conference, they have not won a division game. You know how striking that is? That's damn near impossible to not win a division game in two years. So, yeah, for all the Justin Fields people, this one ain't on him this week, y'all. If anything, this was one of the better games that I've seen him play because them boys was coming after him. This is the other thing, too. Lucas Patrick. Oh, my God. That boy got Chad Clifton. Remember, remember Warren Sapp back in the day when on the, on the return 
when the, when the pick was thrown, I'm by, I'm, it was, I think it was thrown by Favre. And boy, Warren Sapp sized up Chad Clifton and damn near ended his career. And they made the rule because of it. Man, Lucas Patrick, the dude who hit him, the lion who hit him, kind of took it easy on him, but still didn't take it easy on him. Next thing you know, you see Dan Feeney in there snapping the ball high to, Ju- to, to, to Justin Fields. Hey, if Cody Whitehair, who you paid because of his versatility, is on the bench and not at either guard spot, right? Because you like Tevin, you like Nate better. And the backup center, the guy in Cody White here, who was your starting center, if he can't play when Dan Feeney gets the call, then you need to get him off the team too. Simple as that. You just taking up a roster spot at this point. We need to, we need to find out if there are any prospects out there. Straight up. Why is Cody Whitehead on the team if your backup center in Dan Feeney is getting snaps ahead of him? Who was the backup center? If it's because he can't snap the ball out of the shotgun, well, guess what? Guess how many how many plays in your playbook come out of the shotgun? Can't be on the team then. Taking up a roster spot at this point. And I know, I know, Jason, he's a good backup guard. Well, guess what? Guess how many of those are out there for a different price tag? the war of attrition starts to set in at this point in the season. Hell, earlier than this, obviously with Justin being out for four weeks, you're going to have to coach over some of these things. And I just don't have the confidence that Luke Getze and or Matt Eberflus will be able to coach over these things. It's a bad loss, man. It's a bad, bad loss. And it's not on any one person, which makes it that much more confounding. But I know who it, I know who can't run from some of that blame the head coach, and the offensive coordinator. DJ Moore ain't getting the whole ball for a damn quarter. What? what are we, like, it's not like Jerry Rice is on one side, you know, Randy Moss is on the other side. <laughs> we got T.O. at the slot, you know, maybe sprinkle a couple of catches here and there to DJ Moore. We are sitting here talking about the St. Brown Brothers reunion. <laughs> they got, they got uh, Amara. They got the Pro Bowl one. We got the one that's a good blocker and a special teamer. That's one of the dudes that's in that wide receiver room with DJ Moore. And one of the guys running routes. Robert Tunyon is the guy you throw corner routes to inside the five. When Cole Komet is all of eight foot, four inches tall, 375 pounds, and got a new contract because he is your blue chip player, as described by the general manager last year. But, you know, it seemed like, you know, like what I saw – in the game today, it just seemed like it was another situation where they're being so careful. Scared Justin. money. I seen her, the last, but the last Bajant win, I felt like they won. Didn't he stick a third? Uh, didn't hey, he stick a third and nine to it, to DJ Moore? That's how they right. ended the game, and they played so conservatively on that their last drive. It Chris, was very strange. I, you are you are an astute observer, my friend. <laughs> we were all asking these questions. <laughs> why? Oh, why? <laughs> is Justin Fields not being treated like Tyson Bajan. We were all asking those questions. After those first 15 plays, which I'm sure Justin had some say-so in, turned back to a different playbook seemingly. It turned, And they don't have the answers for the test. This is the problem. I go back to it time and time. Y'all, y'all might get upset because you might say I'm saying the same thing. This is the problem when you hire first-time people in – very important and pivotal positions. 
when they get questions for the first time, they don't have answers that they can refer back to. You just have to hope that their talent will take over. And Luke Getze keeps getting questions that he doesn't have the answers to. These defenses are presenting things that he just simply doesn't have some answers to. And then when he does have the answers to them, guys don't execute. Tyler, hey, Tyler Scott, that's on you. That's on you. Perfect throw, perfect recognition. You beat the, you, you got off the jam. You beat the, you beat the corner down the field. You got to keep your feet. <laughs> got to keep your feet. You got to be able to track a football, keep your feet, and be able to get your arms outstretched enough to touch it and catch it. That's a pro's job. Pro's job. And Tyler Scott seems like a good dude. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he'll own up to, you know, his part in that. Um, Justin had no problem in the postgame press conference saying, you know, hey, <laughs> seems like he fell down a little bit. <laughs> and Justin, Justin, hey, these last six games, y'all not going, mm-mm, this is all on tape. Y'all, y'all not going to mess me up with my, you know, prospective employers out here. No, no, no. That was his fault. <laughs> you hit that Atlanta? <laughs> Wasn't me on that one. <laughs> I'll see y'all next year. Straight up. Oh, man, Justin Fields is the best damn player on the football field. They lost the game, and, and, and the team scored 17 unanswered in three and a half minutes of football. Forty times. I got to say it again. Forty times a team has had 40 or more minutes of time of possession and had a three-plus, I'm sorry, a plus-three turnover margin in the game. Previous 40, all wins for that team. Today was the one loss. It was, I saw some of the next-gen analytics, 98.2% probability of win. 98.2%. Hey, this is a city that has been famous before for 1.8. Right? Shout out to Scottie Pippen and Tony Kukoc back in the day. You know, the 1.8 where Scottie didn't want to get off the bench? Well, Add Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze to that 1.8 time frame infamy. 1.8% probability, man. 1.8. That's as bad as it gets. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot of bad ones in this Eberflus run. That's as bad as it gets. This man is the Terry Bevington of football coaches. Only thing Terry Bevington thought he was nice. You know what I mean? I don't know if Matt knows he's nice or thinks he's nice. I think Matt is just out here churning away, just doing whatever. I think Matt wakes up every day. He's like, he just talks to, to, to the public public relations people like, all right, what do I got to do today? Oh, shit, I got to talk to them today? All right, well, give me what I need to say because this shit ain't going well. <laughs> I'm going to make up some other acronym and, and I'm going to go out there and talk some football jargon and hopefully I get out of this thing alive. Come on. That, that, that game today was coaching and defenses not executing. That's it. That's it. And if you want to get away from the coaching, guess who's the defensive coach? Come on. I know who didn't make the the uh I don't I know who didn't make the fatal flaws or the, the, the killer errors today. It was it wasn't Justin Fields. You could put it on everybody else. It wasn't that kid today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. You want to know what type of clown show is going on right now with the Chicago Bulls organization? And I use that term uh, heavily. The Chicago Bulls lost three games in a row. Three in a row. Back-to-back against the Orlando Magic, who just took it to them time and time again. And in these three games, they have started off in the first quarters of these games being down by 10, being down by 12, not scoring a whole bunch. Well, guess what? They took the court Saturday night against the Miami Heat and started the game 22-1 to on the negative side of things, though. That's right. The game was 22 to 1 before you could blink. And I don't know if the Bulls players are trying to get Billy Donovan fired or what, but someone needs to tell them that Arturis Karnaschovas is a big fan of Billy Donovan's. So all you're doing is making yourself look bad. But of course, in true Bulls fashion, they storm back, miraculous comeback. Kobe White out here driving to the hole with reckless abandon. Alex Caruso hitting jumper after jumper, playing terrific defense. By the way, Alex Caruso might be the, the, the trade piece that yields you the highest return, which is ridiculous to think right now. Miami didn't have Tyler Hero, so they didn't have that extra offensive firepower. They got a bunch of guys surrounding Jimmy Butler and, and Bam out of bio. They're, they're, they're counting on a, a rookie out of UCLA and, and, and Jamie Hawkins Jr., who I think is going to be a damn good basketball player. But Miami came in here and was like, all right, let's, let's see what it's about. You know, back-to-back games against this team. A little sparring session, of course. A little payback for the play-in victory last year was what the Bulls fans thought would come. But embroiled in this whole thing, over the last week, Zach Levine and the trade rumors and him being open to trade rumors, not open to trade rumors, but open to the possibility of a trade. Well, we finally found out what the targets were. Her reports that Zach wouldn't be mad if he was going to Philly, if he was going to Los Angeles, or if he was going to Miami. And therein lies the rub. Because as the Bulls come back, it wasn't on the back of Zach Levine. By the way, Zach Levine had a a prime occasion to show everybody, you know, what it's all about. When DeMar DeRozan was out for personal reasons the other night against the Orlando Magic, and that team started the way they did, scoring 33 points in the first half, and then him scoring 25 in the second half, only to lose at a last-second shot against Paolo Bancaro. He had the opportunity to cement his I'm the man status, not only with his organization, but with fans who are starting to become a little leery, you know, of the whole act and all the other stuff that's surrounding the situation. Not enough winning has been done to validate any of these activities or any of these conversations outside of 
How are you going to fix this? Bulls fans don't want to hear it. Simple as that. Especially the ones that's paying to go to the UC. And that's where the, all, the, the other problem is coming in too. UC was empty Saturday night. See, it goes from booze to, damn, it's quiet in here. And boy, was it quiet in there on Saturday night. The Bulls stormed back. Like I said, Alice Caruso was outstanding off the bench. Javon Carter played well off the bench. Hell, Pat Williams played well off the bench, even though he went one of five. The bench brought this team back. And then in the end, DeMar DeRozan does what he does. DeMar's hitting shots, tough degree of difficulty, knocking down shots, getting to the foul line. The Bulls are playing decent enough defense. And Miami, at that point, you, you could see some of the steam had been let out of them. The Bulls win the game at the end. And instead of talking about the Bulls winning the game, the focus quickly shifted to video of Zach Levine uh, seemingly disconnecting himself or removing himself from the grasp of one of the PR people in the Bulls organization. Now, I know this PR person, uh, you know, exchange emails and pleasantries and all these things with her. Her name's Beth, one of the one of the nicer people, you know, in the Bulls organization. You know, I've I've gone back in terms of public relations people uh, a while now with the, the the Bulls. You know, if you work in this city and you do what we do, you you're gonna get to know them. I remember what Tim Hallam did for me when I first started covering the Bulls back in the day. Back in the day, you talking about 02, 01. When he saw a little stupid looking kid coming in there with a tape recorder and asking questions that truly didn't matter to anybody besides him, you know, he, he treated me with a, with a certain level of respect and, and, and decency that I, I appreciate to this day. And then Sabrina Brewster, who then, you know, moved down to Miami with our family and, 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 and I think worked with the heat for a little bit before getting out of the business. Sabrina was outstanding. She was the coolest. My man, Sean Hickenbottom, S. Bottoms, good dude, great dude. Got into the, the, the player representation side of things. I think he's jumping back, if I'm not mistaken, into the PR side of things. Another great PR person. Matt Yo, a dude I dealt with as well. I've had relationships with these people for a long time. So I understand what their job is and they understand what ours is, even though sometimes they get in the way because they got a team to protect. I can dig it. I haven't had as many interactions with Beth as I had with the people that I named previously, just because of what my job has become. You know, instead of being at the games, I'm setting people up for the games and the pre and post game duty. So as we are talking about what should be a terrific win against the Miami Heat, the end of a three game losing streak, the end of the Miami Heat seven game winning streak. What do we talk about or what are we talking about as the show is going off the air? The video of Beth putting her arm around Zach Levine and from the looks of it, and I could be wrong, but it looked as if Zach Levine had agreed to or was being summoned to do the post-game on-court interview. Zach Levine wanted no part of that. No part of that. So much so that he separated himself from Beth in what people were calling a shove, 
People calling a push. If you want to put that on it, I'm I'm not mad at you. Fine. Do what you do. Like I've seen PR people be handsy and corral guys and do that before, right? And I haven't seen those type of interactions or those types of responses. But Zach is in a different place right now, y'all. And I was talking to KG and, and, and Will about it the game before last. This is going to be a long month. It's going to be a long month. And we're going to find out if Zach is truly about that dark side like you have to be when getting out of a city in this manner. Like some guys got no problem with being the villain. Some guys, they wear it well. Some guys, it's a part of their DNA. And then some guys, you see, wear it inauthentically, and you can tell that ain't you, player. And when they do it that way, it just looks clownish. Not speaking of his situation right now, but I'm talking about in generalities, it looks clownish. So then to get into the post-game presser and be asked about it and to say that he's got a great relationship with, with the PR, no one's ticked. Come on, man. The eye in the sky don't lie. Your teammates were out there celebrating a last-second victory against a team that has won seven in a row, a team that eliminated you out of the play-in situation last year, a team, let's face it, that shouldn't have much respect for you because the Orlando Magic damn sure don't. You just beat a good team. You just got a much-needed win, a much-needed victory on your home court in front of your fans that have been paying to see this dreck for the first two and a half weeks of this season. Zach Levine stared into a camera and said, we play these guys next game. I wanted to celebrate inside the locker room. Zach, you're leaving too much to translation by people who don't fuck with you. It's a novice move, man. You got to know the moment that you ask for a trade, all eyes are on you and have to be able to move accordingly. And people might say, oh, it's not fair. You know, you have human moments. Well, guess what? Welcome to showbiz, man. <laughs> Welcome to entertainment. Welcome to being popular. Welcome to, well, and I'm not saying stripping away people's humanity is cool. None of that shit. I'm not saying any of it. But like I say often on this pod, the results are the results. And now the results of those actions, the Bears are the only cloud cover. Because this week, as the week draws on, and if this team still continues to struggle, these things will be brought up. I know the Bulls organization is highly dissatisfied with his interactions and his behavior. And then, you know, I'm not smart, but if a guy who's asked for a trade playing against the team that is in the list of teams that he's asked to be trading to, gets a win versus that team and says he doesn't want to celebrate in front of those guys because he has to see them next game. Come on, player. Come on, man. How you think that sound? Like if Zach was right here in front of me, I would ask him that question. How do you think that sounds to a rational thinking individual? Because if I was one of those, you know, you know, Messy Betty's out here, huh? I'd be like, oh shit. That man ain't wanna that man ain't wanna piss off his 
potential new teammates, did he? Huh? So, so fuck me if I'm Kobe White, huh? Just <laughs> to hell with me if I'm I'm Booch, huh? Just <laughs> you know, nah, Demar, no, 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 no. Let's take this thing in the in the locker room and celebrate what we supposed to. We've been getting our ass kicked for the last week. You damn right, I'm gonna celebrate right here. And you know what that celebration was, by the way, guys? Demar Derozan getting water poured on him. Shit gets deeper, man. Like, yeah, these are the actual factuals. I am telling you what everyone saw and what is going on. You gonna explain to me that there ain't nothing wrong with that, or there ain't nothing wrong with this team, or ain't nothing wrong with that young man at this moment? This moment in his life is is critical because as a professional, Rich Paul is gonna do whatever he can to get what his client wants. But now what you have to go through is that process. And that process can either be one of two things. Can either be professional and easy or it could be unprofessional and bad. The fork in the road is now. And I think the the direction has already been taken. If you are being asked to do a post-game on-court interview and you don't want to do it, it's part of your gig, man. It's part of your gig. And if you don't want to do it, <laughs> just walk on back. Say something sternly. But the cameras catching him in that instance, in that interaction, yeah, I, you know, and I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll keep it funky with y'all. I don't, I didn't look at it as some shove, but I did look at it as an untoward moment to a coworker. And this is the other thing too. Please believe as a man, as a man, and I'm just speaking for myself, I know how I can't interact with my female coworkers because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable and I don't want to put myself at risk. I have had issues and, 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 and grievances with female coworkers before, but I damn sure wouldn't handle them the way I would handle them with a, with a, with a male coworker, right? First of all, you don't put your hands on anybody. Period. Period. And that goes for both parties, right? If you know that Zach ain't in a good way, now probably ain't the time to put your hand around his waist and tell him to come do an on-court interview. You probably got up until that point that maybe it was maybe a little icy in terms of the reception you would receive. And I'm not victim blaming. I promise you I'm not. Because I know that Beth has done this with other players before where she's, you know, sometimes you got to corral these dudes and, 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 and bring them on over to the headset. They ready to get into the to the locker room and shower it up and go kick it. Go go hang with their family. Go see the people they invited to the game. I understand. But I've also seen Beth do this with Zach and other players where it's like, oh, I got to do this again. And then she's like, hell yeah, you got to do this again. It's my job. <laughs> what you mean? She's like a, a den mom. She's like a sister, right? Like she's, she's the, she's the, she travels with them. So she's, she's family. Right. And, you know, family going to work it out. Family going to figure it out. I've had issues and instances with my sister before and we figured it out. So I, I, I have no. Well, I shouldn't say I have no, but I, I would hope that this wouldn't be a major obstacle between those two as um, as co-workers. But the bigger picture is it's just a bad look. It's as simple as that. And it's just another one of those things that you can just 
put along the timeline here in these last two years of bad looks for the Bulls. It's a bad look. It's a bad look for Zach. It's a bad look for the Bulls. It's a bad look with the with the retort afterwards. Like this is a, a few post game presses in a row too. By the way, where you know you find you know in the worst moments you find out the most about a person. The lack of accountability when it comes to Zach Levine in a lot of these instances has been startling. Like the the Brooklyn Nets game where he clearly makes two egregious defensive errors down the stretch of those games. And Darnell Mayberry asks him about him and he says, you know, he mentions Darnell's name, which, you know, you always know it's a little extra spice when somebody will know Darnell. You know what I mean? You know, it's a little extra spice coming there. And on top of it, it ain't the team defense that messed up. It was you. Like, I don't have to carry water for Zach Levine. I don't have to carry water for the Bulls or any other team in this city because, frankly, I don't get enough help from these organizations to even deign to do so. And even if I did get help from these organizations, I'd let them know. This is what I'm going to say about you, and I hope it's going to be fair, but it's always going to be fact-based. The facts are, Zach Levine comes away looking poor. In that situation, in that interaction, after a win over an Eastern Conference foe and a team that expelled you from the play-in situation last year on a three-game losing streak where you needed to win in, in, a, in a desperate manner, you walking off the court being upset while your teammates are celebrating around the dude who came to this city and kind of took your crown, it's not a good look, player. It's not a good look. And I tell him this if I was his uncle. I tell him this if I was his brother, his homie, whatever the case, pal. You know what I mean? His bartender, his whatever the case. Anybody that who he would confide in and have actual, true, meaningful conversations with that wasn't a yes man or a yes woman. Hey, you're tripping, G. You look wild. And we're always the last ones to know that we look crazy, right? So in this instance, I would hope that Zach Levine would take a day or so, come back and say, you know what, man? It was an unfortunate instance. I'm glad we got the win. We've mended this in-house and we can keep it going. But is that the way that Zach's going to respond? It's going, Hey, it's going to be scary hours here for the next, next three and a half weeks. Because I don't see this team materially changing. So some of the losses that you've seen early on, I think will continue to happen because of the way they play basketball. The lack of basketball intelligence quotient, the lack of toughness, the rotations that are sometimes deployed, giving guys a look, even if they don't deserve it because they're in the closing lineup. All those things have led to what has been a suboptimal basketball experience. And now you've got this to add on to it. If you not, used to being the villain, or that ain't in your DNA, it is a very clumsy costume to wear. Don't try it on for free. If you're going to be out of here, you're going to be out of here. You feel me? Go out there, do work on the court, give us the the vanilla BS answers that you want to give us, and keep it moving, player. I tell my son all the time, hey, man, make a player decision. In this moment, if Zach was family, Zach, make a player decision, baby. You got your bread. You've got the respect of the city up to this point, right? You did everything you could to the tune of a 500 or below record. Thank you. Now you can move on and get your bread elsewhere. 
Maybe it'll be a new opportunity with a better infrastructure. Maybe some better players will surround you. I hope Zach Levine wins a championship before he retires. But there's certain ways you go about things, you know? Because things are brought to light sometimes. And (laughs) y'all been on Twitter these last few days. Things are brought to light sometimes. How you move in the dark is very important. And in that moment, when the team was celebrating and basking in that light, Zach Levine didn't know that it wasn't as dark as he thought it was. And it was a a bad look. Just a bad look. I'm sure both parties wish they could take the instance back, but you can't. And these next three weeks will determine how Zach Levine's ending chapters in Chicago uh, will have been written. He can either choose to be the, you know, the, the, the author, you know, or is this going to be an autobiography? Is this going to be a biography? Either way, fam, it's going to get written. So my advice to Zach Levine would be make a player decision, man. Make a player decision. And in that, make better ones. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So, fellas, 19 years ago today, as I was uh, stepping into uh, a, a holiday party, um, a, a Gibson's in Rosemont, you know, a young, uh, at the time, what, a young 24-year-old part-time host, full-time producer, trying to figure out, you know, what he could take down at the holiday party. You know the vibes, huh? You know, just just seeing just seeing who's who's slurping up them free martinis, huh? Seeing 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 who's moving around a little shakily. Huh? Those are the ones I don't want, by the way. I, I cannot stand a drunk motherfucker. Yeah. Look at y'all. Y'all thought I was up. No, no, no. Uh-uh. That's not what I'm on. Mm-mm. <laughs> Ain't no take that, take that in my game. No, no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> no pun intended, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, I, I walk into the, the Gibsons and Rosemont, you know, you do the finger points. You know, I see you. Uh, you know, ain't nobody looking back at you, though. But you're like, yeah, I see you. I, I, I'm going to be over there in a minute. All right now. You know, you know, you're moving around. You give you head your coat. You know, you give $5 to the coat check. That means at that time I'm 24. So I gave $5 to the coat check. That means I had a good 20 more to spend for the night. You know, you rub your hands together like Birdman. You figure out, ah, we outside the office. What's going to happen in here tonight? You know, previous holiday parties had yielded uh, some fun experiences at old 670 The Score. If we ever do Patreon episodes, I'm airing everyone out. Huh? Huh? I am singing like a canary. (laughs) I'm going to be Nino Brown on the motherfucking witness stand. You hear me? (laughs) It was him, the educated brother from the bank. (laughs) You hear me? But I walk in 19 years ago to to Gibson's and Rosemont for my holiday party with my fellow Score comrades and I... All I do is look up at the television, and for some reason, I see Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and Steven Jackson beating the shit out the fans. Huh? 19 years ago today, I walked into a piano bar slash steakhouse waiting to get myself a, a dry martini, waiting to get myself a nice little ribeye, whatever the case may be. And I look up and see these brothers beating the shit out of, you know, dudes who look like Jesse Lopez, our former producer. Shout out to Jesse. We, we, hey, hey, gone but not forgotten. 
We we see you, partner. Yeah. And tell me, swear to God, that, swear to God, <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal didn't hit somebody that looked like Jesse Lopez with a super punch, a sliding super punch at that. Huh? We can laugh at it now. Shit, I was laughing then. I, I wasn't with y'all with this whole, <laughs> how could they? <laughs> What's happening to the sport? Look at this thuggery. I was like, hey, man, punks jump up to get beat down. You feel me? My, one of my favorite Cypress Hill songs. Are you kidding me? You running on a fucking court with six foot seven 250 pound athletes who are in the heat of battle and you got on a, 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 a 4x jersey and you think on a slippery floor that you stand a chance you deserve your ass what i'd rather you get it here than outside you're gonna hit your head on concrete you know in here you know a little hit your head on a little hardwood get your punk ass up and go home but man i will never and i thought in that moment <clears throat> i was looking around and i was like oh shit they're about to ban us from the sport. <laughs> they're they about to get us up out of here. They don't. They already don't want us at the quarterback position. <laughs> what is this going to do to the game? And then zooming out, you realize what that did to a lot of dudes' careers. Like, check the tape. Ron Artest had gotten off to like an MVP type of start that season. Like the year before, Ron was the defensive player of the year. And I have so many, so many Ron Artest stories that if we ever, like I said, if we ever do Patreon, I will <laughs> shout out to Ron because there are, there are moments where, where Ron and I have been in the same uh, environment. And I'm like, hey, it's Ron. And he's like, hey, what you doing here, golf? But yeah, Ron Artest has always been to me uh one of those dudes who you like you know don't y'all y'all we all had those friends right where it's like that's my man but he get on edge a little bit and when he on edge you already know the vibes it's it's incumbent upon you to bring it down for him you know shout out to my man q from the north side i got matt cusack who we played ball with on saturday mornings we know at some point uh q is going to get his eye raised to the point where everyone in the gym feels a little you know a little uncomfortable and that's my man you know what i mean and that's how he gets out his frustrations right but ron and steven jackson and jermaine o'neal those dudes and and if you get a chance Check out the the documentary on the Malice in the pal at the Palace. Uh, one of the better one of the better thirty for thirties that have been done. Uh, those dudes' careers and lives changed after that. But for what it did for for Ron Artest, now Metal World Peace, um, and you know his anger management, his seeking out therapy. I mean, Ron still the, the meta, I should say is still the only dude in NBA history. Hell, maybe in, in sports history to upon winning a championship, thanking his therapist as one of the people who got him there straight up. So, and you know how we get down on this pod, right? We talk about therapy Thursdays and, 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 and the, you know, the, the way that therapy is, is helped me and, and some of the participants in this joint. So, you know, I, I saw the, uh, the OTD, I saw this, the, on this day and I'm like 19 years ago that happened. Dog, our, our producer, Kyle Williams was five years old when the malice at the palace happened. That's just let y'all know. My son is six getting ready to be seven in December. My son was, was a year and a half, two years older than our guy Kyle was at that time. That's how long ago it happened. And now of course, you know, Jermaine O'Neal has, you know, retired and that changed his career too, by the way, 
Like Jermaine O'Neal was getting ready to be one of the forces to be reckoned with in the NBA. He already was at that point, you know, had his Portland stint. We had to grow up and didn't really get a lot of playing time goes to Indiana and turns into damn near, you know, he was an all-star, but he was getting ready to turn into a star star and Ron Artest slash metal world piece was going to do that as well. But all it took was a couple of bumps from Ben Wallace. I believe the game was in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, second or third quarter. Meta walks over to the scorer's table doing exactly what his anger management and his therapist had told him to do in terms of breathing deeply and the, you know, the, the, the square breathing and lying down or taking some time out. And those ornery Detroit Pistons fans threw a, a water cup on him. And that's all it took from the, from the young man from Queensbridge to go crazy. 19 years ago, it was a, uh, it was uh, an eventful day, to say the least. Changed the, changed the course of the league in terms of fighting, uh, in terms of uh, you know fan interaction. Um, Steven Jackson, his career, you know, after that, it was, it was a tough go, right? Because he, he essentially was getting blackballed for being, you know, just a guy that you just didn't want around, even though all of his teammates had always said that he was one of the better teammates they had ever had. Um, but yeah, man, you know, Ben Wallace and those Detroit Pistons and that arena went up that night and we will never, ever forget it. It is one of the, the more timeless events and you can go back. Also, you can go back and, and check out the play by play. I won't say who was doing it, but you can go back and hear some wild things being said on that broadcast when that game went off script and all of a sudden everybody started fighting. Oh yeah. There was some things being thrown around and hurled around that would be, would not be uh, tolerated these days to say the least i i just remember reggie miller with a a hurt hand like a bandaged hand because reggie was hurt that season putting his hands over ron artest's head as beers were being flung at him and thrown at him he was getting doused in drink as he's walking through the tunnel that was as scary and as bad a situation as you can remember man and nobody you know thank god nobody Nobody was seriously injured or nobody perished that night. Uh, shit, World Wide West was in the crowd at that time. He was with his kids. He had to run onto the court and try to get some of the people that he was close to, you know, corral them to make sure. Because at that moment, it was 15 people on the court against an entire stadium. And then, like I said, you know, you had Jesse and his homeboys run down there on the court and start acting up. Like, what would make you think? What would make you think? Uh, this man had to be all of five foot five, five foot six, five foot seven, and about a good 185, 200 pounds. What would make you think this is the moment where I need to go square up with Jermaine O'Neal? And Jermaine O'Neal, hey, I people talk about losing their mind or not being in the moment, not being present. Fuck that. Jermaine O'Neal saw someone who, who in that moment posed no threat, no present danger, and took his frustrations out on him. The sliding super punch that was a glancing blow that would have ended everything. There's like two punches. Like we didn't have a Kermit Washington situation in our era of NBA basketball. Like just one of those joints where it's like, man, like this is bad. Like you can't, you know, we can't laugh about this. No, 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 no. That was one of them. And the other one was when Shaquille O'Neal at the United Center got hard fouled by Brad Miller. Y'all can look it up by Brad Miller. And Shaquille O'Neal swung from the heavens while Brad Miller was, his back was turned 
and Brad had just like moved out the way in one moment or like he just didn't know it was coming and Shaq missed. And y'all already know how Shaq is and how strong he is without force behind it. Like, can you imagine if, if, if Kermit Washington can, can extend a fist and Rudy Tomjanovich can run into it and get his whole face broken and the man almost die, just imagine what would have happened to the back of Brad Miller's head with Shaquille O'Neal swinging as hard as he possibly could. So, yeah, there have been some avoidable moments, uh, some, some moments that have, you know, kind of marked the league since then. But 19 years ago today, as we are uh, taping on this Sunday night here, the malice at the palace happened. And I, I was in the steakhouse trying to get free drinks and figure out what was popping for the night. And all of a sudden, the boys in Indiana had other plans, man. But, uh, yeah, thankfully. Well, what would even make somebody try a seven-foot professional athlete? Drugs. Like, Oh, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little bit of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you know, a bad trip is a bad trip. You know, I mean? you know all it takes is one square. You know what I mean? Take half. There's always, but that is always my recommendation to anybody out there. Just take half. Just take half. You know? Oh, we going out? Oh, we can't take half. You know what I mean? Oh, things are so bad. I don't know what to take half. <laughs> It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Go podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. That's all the time we have for episode 317. I aired, by the way, in the second segment and said it was episode 316. That's all the time we have for episode 317 of the Full Go podcast brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on this blessed Sunday evening and Monday morning, whatever you're listening to this. Shout out to y'all, everybody taking them kids. Oh, it's Thanksgiving week, though. So y'all hanging out with y'all kids all week long. Ah, you a little taste of summer, right? And smack dab in the middle of winter. Shout out to everybody out there who will be uh, getting their nails painted by their daughters and having tea time and shout out to all these kids you know these parents and these badass little boys who you know need an activity every 45 minutes or else they're bored that's my son's new shit i'm bored well guess what motherfucker me too that's such as life get a book you know what i mean here's war and peace or roots pick pick, pick a direction you want to go in <laughs> you know what i mean come on now i'm bored you six years old got every goddamn gadget in the city in your room and i'm bored this man has two pianos in his room two he got the one from big where you could step on it that I thought would be cool and then he got an actual keyboard you bored fuck you mean Beethoven by this age was writing whole fucking symphonies all you gotta do is, is spell some sight words and you talk about you bored I apologize. I I used to be scared to say to say I was bored to my parents. What? If I said I was bored to my parents, they'd put me to you work. You had to go read something. They, they'd be yeah. like, you got to mow something yeah, yeah. or scrub yeah. something. Like, you bored? I got something right. for you. So I would never yeah, say that. You, never you say bored? That. My daughter all the time. My daughter all you the time. Bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Go <laughs> celebrate then. Shit. Help the family out. Shit. You know, let me, you need to bag it up for you. Yeah, go out. Take your ass out on the corner and make some holiday money. The fuck? I'm bored. Who the hell are you talking to? 
first generation you know immigrant here like you know what i mean like shout out to my shout out to the ancestors who didn't have a chance to be bored because all they was doing was working all goddamn day long this man is in here eating organic peanut butter talking about he fucking bored i digress they look at they gonna be like man golf sure does hate his baby don't he <laughs> nah, i love that kid i love I love y'all know that shout out to y'all. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, this has been a fun pod, right? Even though the bears took us to the depths of despair and Zach Levine and the bulls are finding new ways to, uh, make it harder on themselves from a public relations and imagery standpoint. Uh, we're going to talk some more baseball. I promise you, we're going to get some baseball people in here and talk about the off season that is to come. Uh, the Cubs Cubs fans, Got a whole lot to be excited about. You know, all this Shohei Otani talk. Sox fans. Well, you can watch the Cubs fans be excited about all this Shohei Otani talk, right? Yeah, there it is. So we'll we'll talk some more baseball coming up here, as well as you got another game against the Miami Heat coming up if you're the Chicago Bulls. So we'll talk about that game and all the other things, what this trade market is looking like for Zach Levine. You know, the the regular regular here on the full go podcast want to thank our production staff as always the shadowy figure who has been going on the road as of late with the ryan russillo podcast shout out to our guy steve cerruti and the beautiful family and of course the exceptional one kyle williams paternity poppy tony gill who can't keep his ass out the group text tony again <laughs> go be a family man okay Stop asking questions about Zach Levine and the Bulls in the group text, okay? And by stop asking, I mean keep going because you, you're giving the show content. We love you. Paternity Poppy, Tony Gill, and of course the Chief Vibes Officer himself, Chris Sutton. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for hanging out with us. Thanking you for downloading this thing. Thanks for subscribing to it, following us on the socials, and of course doing everything that you do for this pod, sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you're doing out there, it is truly appreciated. Thank you so much for rating and reviewing this thing, giving it the five stars you know it needs. If not, we will see you in the streets. Uh, we will only have two pods this week because it's Thanksgiving week. Okay? We will celebrate massacres and genocide on Thursday by eating turkey and not working. Okay? So, you know, there you have that. Okay? And, and shout out to all my indigenous peoples who, uh, who, who don't celebrate Thanksgiving because I want to give y'all the nod because I don't want y'all to be mad at me either. Okay? I'm not celebrating Thanksgiving. I'm just going to be around family and people who I don't care to be around for longer than I usually am. That's all, that's all Thanksgiving truly is. You know, you run into people who are like, hey, I ain't seen you in a while. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember why. Alright, catch you next Thanksgiving. You know? And then you run into the family that you love. It's always cool to get down with that cousin or that friend or, or that family member that you ain't seen in a while, you know, talk shit about the rest of the family and then go about your ways only to do it again next Thanksgiving. So whatever you do, however you celebrate, enjoy with your people. Please, please take care of each other. As we always tell you, take care of each other. Be safe. Be safe. Make sure you got yourself designated driver. Make sure you're out there catching one of these delivery car services, whether it be Uber or Lyft, whatever the case may be. Huh? Make sure you, you get down with your weed man early because there's nothing like hitting the Thanksgiving weed man on the day of and getting your weed on Christmas Day because that's what's going to happen. Okay, so get the orders in early. You know, I'm, you know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to CEOs and gang members alike. Get your orders in early, all right? And as always, man, take care of each other, be safe, and remember to stay sucker-free.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH IT IN INDIANA, 1-800-522-4700 OR VISIT KSGAMBLINGHELP.COM IN KANSAS, 1-877-770-STOP IN LOUISIANA, VISIT MDGAMBLINGHELP.ORG IN MARYLAND, VISIT 100 Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York.